0: Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Chenergy Coffee Company podcast. Today I want to have a free-flowing uh, um, chat about um, how you make money or why you don't make money or even what, what does it mean to make money. I mean uh, the, the, the spark for this idea was a bit the fact that uh, since I'm stuck at home I'm surfing the web more than I should, business is a bit slow and hence uh, I'm bombarded because you know once you start to look for entrepreneurial ideas etc you get bombarded by all these magic methods to make money online or to make money in general be it in investment or be it in uh, dropshipping, affiliate marketing, uh, building your career I mean at the end of the day there seems to be a lot more courses on how to make money than (laughs) ways to make money itself And this is interesting, right? At the end of the day, what these people are doing, they're trying to sell their expertise to make money for themselves. If they have an expertise, because that's very often questionable. So, the point that I would like to make is that, uh, of course, you need to be extremely skeptical about anyone telling you that the reason you don't make money online or you don't make money on Amazon or you don't make money on your affiliate marketing program on your on your blog is X, probably X has some merits but most of the times the reality is just that they are trying to put in practice the old adage a fool and his money are soon parted. So what does it mean to make money? First, what does it mean to generate an income? It means being able to sell something for a higher price than its cost, that's it, simple as that. Even when you are working that's what you are doing, you are exchanging your time and expertise for a price, which is your wage. The more requested, the more in demand is your expertise, the more likely you are going to be able to sell it for a decent price but that's what it is, I mean imagine someone on a very low-skill manual job, inevitably his wage is going to be low, now it's true that even for some jobs with a high degree of specialization like medical some medical profession more than medical paramedic professions are not exactly paid well and it's also true that professions that are vastly overpaid do not require in the end that disproportionate amount of skill, but at the end of the day it's all about demand and supply, but from an individual level it's more about whether you can sell your service, your expertise, your time, your product for higher cost. If you can you are going to make money, if you can't you will not. Now, Now let's take the example of a physical Product. Let's make it as simple as possible. Now I live in Switzerland, it's a small country. I will take Switzerland as an example, but you could translate this example in any kind of of commerce. Imagine that you discover that uh, you can buy a can of Coke in Luzern, which is a small town 30 km south of of Zurich, for uh, 1 franc and send it in Zurich for 4 francs. No custom, no forex, nothing, Just you just need to take your co-can from Lucerne, drive 20 kilometers, so spend a little bit of money on gas and sell it in Zurich for 4 times as much. Perfect business, right? This is what you call an arbitrage. An arbitrage is a distortion in the market that allows for a almost risk free profit. Now. Uh, what would a rational person do? Load his car with as many Coke cans as he can, drive to Zurich and sell his Coke cans. And he's going to make money. Why? Because he's been the first to spot the trend and to take advantage of it. Now what will happen in the long run, I mean, not in the long run, after a certain time? Two things can happen. The guy becomes greedy, start to flood the market of Zurich with these Coke cans and inevitably since the supply is going to be much more available the price is going to be lower. What is more likely to happen is that other people will notice the same trend and what they will do they will go to Luzern and and buy the Coke and sell it in Zurich. So what is the next step? Either the price of Coke in Luzern will start to grow to go up because so many people are buying this coke and, uh, and sell it to Lucerne. so in in uh, Lucerne there's going to be a point in which the co- price of coke will start to raise or the price in, in Zurich will go down because so many people are bringing coke to Zurich that consumers have more choice and they can go for the guy that sells that a little bit lower because once you bought your coke for a dollar you still think to sell it for $4, the guy next to you sells it for $4, what do you do to convince the customer since the product is exactly the same? You lower the price. That's what you do. Up until the point when you cannot lower the price anymore because the cost of your coke in Lucerne plus the cost of transport is going to be equal to the cost in Zurich. Is this always the case? Not always, but most of the times. Now could be that the local government of Zurich for some crazy reasons has decided to put a floor on the cost of coke. So no coke can be sold for less than four dollars. Perfect. Some of that, with a floor in the price, is going to be unsold. Because there is only so many people that can drink that coke. So, if you're not losing on the single can of coke that you sell, what you might lose is that you buy four can of coke, you sell only one, and in the end you are just breaking even if you manage to sell even that one. And that's why, for example, very often price subsidies and this kind of measure for the government to, for example, to support an industry, to support an income, very often fail. The same is true even with with graduates. So imagine today the most in-demand profession is being a bookkeeper. So being a bookkeeper commands a premium. A lot of people will go to college thinking to become bookkeepers. A lot of them will become bookkeepers. By the time they finish college, bookkeepers are going to be a dime a dozen. That's it. So when this is not the case, when there are barriers to entry that limit the influx of new entrants to a point where you can sustain your margins. For example, in commodities, which is my market, like imagine oil, barriers to entries are substantial, meaning that you need terminals, you need Infrastructure and more than anything, you need the capital to finance your purchase of the of the crude. However, given the fact that contrary to twenty years ago, markets are now very liquid and with the internet there is a, a fast dissemination of information, it's very difficult to make money just by, by trading the crude itself or trading the gasoline. And hence, what we have seen in the last twenty years is a bit slowing down this this trend but is still there, oil company and commodity traders, commodity traders used to be people that would just buy and sell and not, so connect the the, the demand with the supply and not produce or store the product except for the time necessary to uh, complete the transaction, a lot of commodity traders have started to integrate vertically, integrate vertically is business lingo to say they started to buy either oil wells or refineries or processing plants so that they can take a little slice of margin at each given passage. So capture more value, that's that's what it means essentially. Now you understand that even with very substantial barrier to entry, which is the availability of capital to finance a ship of crude, the profitability of this company in the long run is decreasing. They are still making loads and loads of money, generating loads and loads of cash, but just because they can increase their volumes to the point where smaller entrants cannot compete. Simple. The more you buy, the better price you get. The more volume you sell, the more parts of the market you saturate, since the price is essentially known to everyone, so there isn't this distortion, this arbitrage opportunity in the price, and hence the margin on the single barrel of oil, on the single bag of coffee, becomes lower and lower. Okay, great. So why aren't, aren't you making money online? Is it, isn't it it any different on the internet? Isn't the internet... A land of opportunity, no it's not. Also because if there is a way which is reasonably easy to set up a business, as you can do it also everyone else can. Now what the guru will tell you is that uh, people are not following the right steps, people are not following through, people are not consistent, but that's true in any profession. That's true in any profession, meaning uh, if you think about the workers, I mean, Every one of us it knows there is the stellar performance performer, there is the one that is so-so, and then there is the slacker. It's not a perfect word, so not always the slacker gets what he deserves, which is being fired. But the reality is that uh, very often it's the opposite that happens. Companies become complacent they don't reward the, the top performers well enough, top performers leave, the company is stuck with the sluggers and the company closes business because it on, it's only run by sluggers. That's, that's more or less the, the, the simple reality of the world. Sometimes things are much more simple than what we would like them to be. Start performance can still fail, sluggers can still have luck, but in the long run, that's what happens. Now, let's go back a second to the making money online for example is it possible to make money blogging for a very small percentage of bloggers yes and that's always the case because you have the star performers who consistently generate good content who consistently deliver value who are experts in their fields and believe me you don't build expertise by reading one or two books that's another uh, interesting lie let's say interesting idea for me it's a lie and i'm going to, talk, to, to call it for what it is it's bullshit it's a lie there is a limited amount of expert, of real experts around you can fake it for a while you can maybe fake it until you make it but in the time that you're faking it you also have to make it so you also need to study develop, <coughs> develop expertise etc But it's usually the top 2%, top 5%. I mean, people love the Pareto Principle, so top 20% generate 80% of the revenue. On the internet, it's probably even worse. Why? Because the barriers to entry are are low, are extremely low. Anyone can, with a small amount of capital, set up a blog, set up a podcast, like I have done, and try to make money out of it. I don't make any money on my blog, and I don't make money on my podcast. For me, it's also a philosophy, related choice. My choice was to use this as an outlet to communicate my ideas. So I don't have any monetization neither on my podcast. On my blog I think I might have banners but I've never received a single dime out of my out of my blog. I keep it alive because I enjoy writing every once in a while, but that's about it. There are bloggers that make a lot of money, but usually these people have an expertise or an area of expertise or an area where they deliver value, which they leverage on the blog. Or the blog is part of a strategy of a bigger strategy of a big business, biggest business strategy. Making money on a blog today is very difficult. Ten years ago. The first move, movers in the blogging space were making money. Even people that were making blogs about mundane things, like a certain breed of cats, would make money because there was a huge demand for content and not such a big big supply. Now the supply of content is absolutely overwhelming. I mean, I see it myself. <laughs> My podcast rarely generates more than twenty-five. Thirty downloads on a good day why because in the time being compared to when joe rogan started his podcast uh, there have been uh, a few millions of podcasts that that mushroomed uh, on spotify on apple Apple podcast etc so inevitably the number of people that can pay attention is limited and plus joe rogan became Joe Rogan because he is Joe Rogan, so he was already a successful comedian, he had this ability to communicate that I cannot even think about matching, and so Joe Rogan stays on top of the game. Many other people inevitably will never be Joe Rogan. I know I will never be, also because the way that I make money, the way that I feed my family, is not through blogging, is not through podcasting, Hence, this for me is a hobby. Whereas for Joe Rogan, is is a full-time job. It's part of his full-time job, which is being Joe Rogan. Not every person is as interesting, or let's say, as good as communicating in an interesting way. So, Joe Rogan can be Joe Rogan, and I am, or Tim Ferris. I mean, this, this is this the same the same logic. I mean, Tim Ferris has an astonishing talents talent to communicate, to create interest around what he says, and he leverages that interest to sell essentially everything, from books to energy drinks, this is what you call affiliate marketing. But in fair he says million and million of followers. So now, even though certain barriers to entries, for example to podcasting, are reasonably low, because at the end of the day you need a cell phone an internet connection and an hosting service, total cost a few hundred bucks, the barrier to entry is the ability to produce a certain kind of content. Does it mean that you shouldn't try? No, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try, it means that you need to be aware, to be aware that generating consistently good content is not an easy task. It's something that requires a certain dedication and even with the dedication you might not make it. At the end of the day this is true in, even in the job market. And for me, I mean I'm an, an accountant kind of by trading economist, well, I studied economics but I became an accountant, started in a big four at PwC back in 2001 and that's what pays my bills. Because I'm able, I mean I've sold it as an employee for most of my career and I'm selling it as a consultant. That's essentially what pays my bills. It's my core expertise. Why? Because to do the job that I do, there is a little bit, not too much, of a barrier to entry. Which is the experience that I built, the education that I have, and to a certain degree my ability to finding clients. My ability to find clients is not that great, I mean I need to improve also because until 2019 I was an employee so I didn't need to find clients, my client was my employer. However, I have a certain expertise that if I enter into a conversation with someone that has a financial problem, one time out of 200 I'm able to convince him that I might help. And that's more or less the conversion, one time out of 200. For me, there are people that are more successful, of course. Now this means that if I have 400 conversation I might have 2 clients. These clients are going to pay the bills, but this is the proportion, this is what it means. Is it going to be the same in 5, 6, 7, 10 years time, maybe, maybe not, because First, technology might completely disrupt my profession and then uh, there's going to be artificial intelligence which will be much better than me at making uh, financial modeling or uh, at drawing out uh, a an annual report, already now there are solutions to automatize most of the clerical work to produce an annual report or to produce a tax filing, but for the moment I managed to make money like this. Of course I look for my own uh, set of clients. I don't try to serve everyone. However, this logic applies to everything you do to generate an income. So can you become a billionaire by doing the classic man with a van, so doing uh, removals. Well, some men with a van will probably be able to grow their business and make millions because they're always going to be able to do do the extra mile they're they're better looking and so they attract clients easier, in an easier way but the the profession itself has a very low barrier to entry which is buying the van, getting the driving license and also the amount of, of work that you can supply as long as you're on your own is limited, it's your time, and that's it. So out of the million men with a van, one will start to make more money, to save more, to buy a second van, to hire a driver, and he will build build the new DHL, but that's one. The others are going to be men with a van. And this is essentially what happens also with doing business online i have to say i'm not a particularly great believer of business online because i've seen it so for example some of the things that i've seen most of the time is drop shipping which means essentially buying stuff in china and sell it somewhere else for a higher price because that's what it is now you can outsource a huge part of it because you go on amazon so Amazon will handle your uh, logistics, and your uh, stock. It will also handle your billing and everything you need to do. Of course, the more you outsource, the more of the margin you will outsource also to Amazon. But where is the problem? Is that if you can see that a product is much cheaper in China than in the US, so can another million people. Of this million people, not everyone will act on that. There is going to be another 5 million people that are too lazy or too incapable of doing research that are not going even to do this kind of research. But that's what is going to happen. You are going to have a lot of people that are going to be able to copy your business idea or to copy your dropshipping model. On top of this, there is another thing that the the guru of the dropshipping don't tell you. E-commerce has a very high rate of return. What does it mean? I can tell you, for example, in the fashion business. I was working for Canal Goose. Canal Goose has jackets, high-end jackets. It was a normal practice for our customers to buy two jackets, try them on, and send one back. Now, if you're producing the jackets and you have five different channels because you sell to... Uh, the mazes the the, the high-end retailers you have your own shops and you have your own e-commerce and you have even online retailers that sell your products if you're on on your own channel you have returns it's an annoyance but it's factored in the cost of the goods plus by uh, cutting off all the middlemen you manage to capture a lot more margin so you make more money so if part of this is lost due to returns, so be it. But if you are making drop shipping, so you are, you are a middleman, starting to have returns can become a problem. First, because if you get a return it's not a given that you are going to be able to return it to your own supplier. Second, because you need to handle the return. Third, because if you don't know how to handle it and you don't have the systems and the knowledge to handle a return, you're going to lose a customer. And a disgruntled customer might make you lose a whole lot of other customers because it's going to write bad reviews, complain, moan, etc. And essentially, since your margin is quite thin because you're a middleman, it's going to eat in your margin. Simple as that. So, how did people that made money on drop shipping? Uh, do it well they had the first mover advantage that's the first thing and that's why now they sell you training because if they were making so much money with the drop shipping itself they wouldn't have the time to sell you training or anyway it wouldn't be the strongest product that they advertise also because training is a much cheaper uh, um, product to realize than then going to china buy the thing sell store it sell it to someone if you do a training you do a video millions of people are going to see it you reuse it thousands and thousands of times and hence the margin is practically 100 it's just the cost of your time that's it so first mover advantage that was the thing And the same is true for everything, because in the moment something is, the moment that you discover something that is pretty easy to make money on, as you can discover it, a lot of other people will. That's not so true for a more unique skill. However, bad news, more unique skills require time, requires effort, so there is no way around it. Actually, even dropshipping itself is still possible to make money on it. You build something like Galaxus, Galaxus is I think the leader in Switzerland for dropshipping, and Galaxus makes money. It makes money. However, it makes money because it has scaled, so it has a huge volumes, it can, or Wish, or even Amazon itself, they are at a scale where even if on the single good that they sell they have a small margin, they have so high, such high volume that they make up for the low unit margin on the volumes. Second, they can leverage their marketing investment. What is marketing investment? It's the cost to get a client. You don't find the clients on trees, you buy them. What these folks uh, with the super cool Instagram account that shows that they made money on on, uh, dropshipping or uh, affiliate marketing or whatever uh, new, method of making money offline they found what they are doing why they are going driving around in the rented lamborghini because most of the time is rented and with the expensive supermodel which is also rented what are they doing they are buying customers customers are an investment you need to buy them they cost and that's true in every business how do you pay for your customers by giving in part of your margin for example, by giving longer credit terms, or you buy them through marketing investment. You do a Facebook campaign, and through the Facebook campaign, you have people that come to your to your uh, page. You generate traffic, and if your page is well structured, you are going to have a certain conversion rate. So, of all these people that come into your page, some are going to become customers. Some are even going to become return customers. But let's say now some are going to become customers. How much it costs? Now if we imagine that to get 1,000 people to your web page costs 1,000 dollars, if these 1,000 people, 1 becomes a customer, and make no mistake, that's the kind of proportion we're looking at, actually 1 is even a very good proportion it means that the cost of acquiring that guy was 1000 dollars, 1000 euro, whatever you want to call it. So that means that if you sell to this customer for less than 1000 euro, you're losing money. Is the cost of attracting customers so high? No, it's not, because we are on the internet, when you do a proper campaign you are going to generate millions of clicks, and so even with a small, with a small, conversion, you are probably going to acquire your customer for 15 dollars $20. Now, I had a friend who, who, who started a business in um, dog food, I and dog food. He has closed it down by now, it was a very nice idea. However, what was the problem? The problem is that acquiring a, a customer to a Facebook and, and this grand campaign was costing essentially something in the region of 15 to 20 dollars the cost not the price the cost of the product was exactly the same and since you could not sell this product for a lot more than the cost of the customer and most customers were not returning customers there was a model with subscription but subscription for some reason in Switzerland didn't work very well Now, we we could argue why it didn't work very well, etc., but the result is that the sound financial decision was to say, okay, if my customer costs 20 and I can sell for 15, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense, because my bottom line is going to be negative. So that means that I'm not generating income, I'm doing charity, I'm financing Facebook. That's what I'm doing. So here we come, uh, uh, for example, to my decision to close down the coffee trading business. Coffee trading is margin of cents on the dollar. Even when you go for very high-end specialty coffee, it's not that different. You need to generate volumes. To generate volumes, you need capital, capital that I didn't have. I'm not a millionaire. And plus, I don't want to take that kind of risk because I have a family to, to feed. And honestly, I'm also able to generate income in a different way. So, the decision was logical, I decided that instead of investing in something where I didn't have the ability to scale up and so to capture this margin, I'd rather invest on my accounting business because there I'm leveraging a huge investment that I made over the years, which is my professional experience, my education and my qualifications and this way, earn my loaf of bread. That's it. Now, was I right to give up on coffee? I don't think so. In fact, I want to give it another try by buying a roastery or buying roasting equipment. So go closer to my end consumer, which is the consumer of of the beverage, and hence occupying a wider space along the value chain, or simply put, take a little bit of margin by buying the coffee because I uh, I used to have a good supply, and take another little bit of margin by transforming the coffee. So what I expect the market to do is to remunerate the added value that I put on my coffee. This is what it is. And hopefully, to convince the market that my ethical sourced coffee is really ethically sourced, it tastes better, and so it's worth to pay a higher price for my coffee rather than go down your local supermarket and buy a kilo of Lavazza. Because if you're not convinced that my coffee is better than Lavazza, I will never make money because Lavazza instead competes on volumes. So they can afford a lower margin, even though their margins are actually quite good, but they can still afford to do special promotion, to do a lot of investment in marketing. I don't have that capital, so my barrier to entry to that market is pretty obvious. Of course, once I built a, a business that generates more margin, that is able to self-sustain, I'm closer to overcame that barrier, but the barrier is still there. And that's where you need to be extremely suspicious of people that are selling you whatever course to make money. You make money if you can. I mean, it's it's really obvious, it's really banal, and yet especially, and that's why I actually detest these people that sell you the dream of making money, especially in an economic crisis like now. I detest it. I detest it because it's bullshit. They just want to take your money and run. That's what they want to do. You want to invest in something that might make you money, might or might not, because the ugly truth in life is that there is always a component of risk, there is always a component of luck, whatever you do. 10 people have a good idea, only one makes it. Why? Is better, yes, or simply it was the right timing, or it was so... But for sure, luck is not the only part of the equation, for sure, there is no easy way to generate value, to generate income, and hence there's no easy way to make money. So if you have cash that you want to invest in something to increase your value, if you want to listen to an idiot, I would would rather advise you to invest your money to learn a skill. Whatever skill. You want to learn plumbing, there are awesome schools to learn plumbing, you might become a good plumber, and you might make a lot more money and being a lot happier than trying to sell Chinese-made hair dryer to snotty, moaning customers in the UK. Now, I don't want to miss the UK, it's just the first thing that came to my mind. Whereas you might become a very happy plumber, you might not become a millionaire, but at least you have first a skill that has a value, and second, there is a certain satisfaction, a certain happiness in making a good job. Whatever the job, even cleaning, like imagine you're cleaning your room. One thing is you're just doing like, yeah, whatever, I just put stuff away and that's it. Another thing is once you do a proper cleaning, you throw up all the stuff that is clogged in your room, you feel better. And that's actually my idea of uh, it's just mine maybe someone has a different different idea but my idea of uh, personal satisfaction i'm not going to say happiness because happiness is a big word it's a big word but my idea of professional satisfaction is being able to look at what i've done and say this this makes sense this is a good job this has some value you want to do it online great i mean internet gives a lot of opportunities so don't think that I'm saying it's impossible to make money online. What is impossible is to make online money online in an easy way. It requires investment, dedication and time. So the main message is be skeptical about people who are selling the method. Second, improve yourself and money might come or might not. But if you don't improve yourself, money is not going to come. That's the reality. Whoever tells you something different is deluded or is trying to scam you of your hard earned cash. So, for example, the good thing about the internet is that you have access to a whole lot of courses and a whole lot of material of very high quality in the entire world. Like, for example, imagine a language course. Now, for example, for me, learning languages has allowed me to find more employment opportunity, hasn't been the case lately, but okay, we're in COVID times. And the cost of having a language course online is a fraction of the cost of having a proper school where you need to attend with other students, it's much more flexible because you can adapt to your own time schedule. So for example, instead of wasting a few thousand dollars on the latest guru surefire method to make money online, you might learn French. That's probably a much better investment. Even if you don't monetize it, at least you've learned something. On top of that, for example, on sites like Coursera, I'm not affiliated with Coursera. I don't care about Coursera, but I think it's a very well-made site, in fact it is the most successful. On Coursera, you can access to a whole lot of courses. For example, on coding, you can learn Python. Python may not be the hot topic that is now in five years, but you can learn it. Plus, learning, co- lear- learning uh, coding language, essentially the first part is about learning the logic of coding, which is pretty much, in terms of uh, pure mental processes, pretty much the same for every coding language. So learn to code is a first step, then you learn a second language, a third language, and then before you know, you can find employment as a coder. As a programmer, as an IT person. So, for example, on Coursera there are awesome courses on this. There are awesome courses on finance, on economics, on accounting. In my view, even though it doesn't look like a course on accounting by generating income in the super short term, like uh, the surefire method to, to set up a business on Amazon, a course on accounting is a decent bet on generating some income. Plus, it doesn't need accounting. I mean, I always talk about accounting because that's what I've done for most of my life. It can be accounting, it can be visual marketing, it can be video making, it can be whatever. As long as you learn it, you learn it well, you apply yourself, and then you start to do it, and then you learn, and you get better, and as long as you get better, you're going to generate some income, and at a certain stage, it might become a self standing business so, so that's it essentially so a market where there is no barrier to entry is not a market where it's easy to make money a market where you don't have the first mover advantage it's not an easy market to make money and hence when you look at the ways to increase your income, etc. Don't go side hustling, because side hustling, yeah, might work for some, but it's never going to become. Uh, I don't know, I just don't believe in side things. If you do something, do it well. If you want to do it for, to earn a living, I mean you might argue that my podcast is shit. Okay, that's your opinion. I'm doing it out of my cell phone in my bedroom. So probably the quality is not great. I don't care. For me it's about the message. Uh, But, try to leverage something that you know. And if you don't know anything, learn, study, apply yourself, because that's the way to succeed. It's not a sure way, because there is nothing sure in this world. Like, imagine the person that opened after long uh, training and toiling, etc., opened this restaurant right before the Covid, (laughs) there is always bad luck. However, that person, once this COVID is passed, will still have the skills and the ability to run his own restaurant or to be a cook in another person's restaurant. The person that didn't have the skill after the the COVID still will not have the skills if uh, he hasn't done the steps to acquire those skills. So at the end of the day, simple message. first mover advantage is a thing, but if you're looking at something where there is already someone who's talking about first mover advantage, probably the first move is not there anymore. So if you want to do something innovative, you need to look forward. and That's difficult, also because it requires creativity, not everyone has it, I don't, I'm not, don't consider myself too much of a creative person, that's why I probably ended up being an accountant. But more than anything, in everything in life there are barriers to entries, higher or lower. Where the barriers are higher, the chances for reward are also higher. And the higher the barrier, the tougher is to overcome it. Simple as that. Just have always this in the back of your mind when you are listening to people who say that they made it. Have this in the back of your mind when you are looking at ways to make money. And just don't believe charlatans, because you can usually spot it. As soon as they say it's easy, you are probably looking exactly at that, at a charlatan. Scammer, a con artist, you name it. Life requires dedication and hard work. Just to keep yourself alive, so to excel it's a whole different game. Do you need to excel not necessarily? You can do at best of your possibility. that's usually good enough for most of us to hatch a decent living, at least in the Western world where we don't have this we still don't have these random variables like coups, and uh, even though with trump. Uh, you know, it made me rethink also the fact that this is a safe environment. I mean it's still safer than anywhere else in the world. So hard work pays off. Don't believe anyone who tells you otherwise. Luck is a thing, but it will never go it's never going to be the only thing. And uh, investing in yourself. Uh, it's never a bad idea and this logic applies to everything be it saving be it working be it selling being even investing because even in investing if a share seems to be overpriced and people start to short at the end of the day so many people will short it that the margin you can make on shorting it is going to be lower because the price is going to crash if you can make an arbitrage, because for example you can buy a share on the Toronto Stock Exchange and sell it on the New York Stock Exchange and you can make a margin, a lot of people will see that margin and will do the same, so the margin is going to go away. So that's where you have a first mover advantage. So in everything you see in life, these basic principles apply. That's everything for the podcast of today. Sorry for a little bit full language, but sometimes it just gives little bit of flair to the communication, and thank you for tuning in. Wish you a nice afternoon and a great rest of the week.